Welcome to the S-Files, sponsored by Service Wisconsin, Wisconsin's National Community Service Board. I'm your host, Kyle Flower, Communications and Government Affairs Officer for Serve Wisconsin. S-Files is your look into the impacts and stories of AmeriCorps members and volunteers serving throughout the state of Wisconsin. Each episode, we'll be digging into their service stories, or S-Files, to learn about the people and programs whose service is meeting critical needs across Wisconsin and enriching the lives of the people and communities they serve. In this episode, we are speaking with Wes Brosky, who's serving this year with the Department of Public Instruction AmeriCorps Farm to School Program at the Monona Grove School District. So Wes, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. I'm excited to talk to you. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Wes, could you start off by telling us a little bit about your AmeriCorps service this year with Farm to School? Yeah, so like you said, I'm working with the Monona Grove School District to serve there. My supervisor there is the food service director, so I'm working with her and then my AmeriCorps supervisors. But we have seven schools in our district, ranging all the way from 4K up to 12th grade. And my service is a little bit different depending on which of the schools that I'm at, obviously. So like with the younger grades, I'm doing some of the nutrition lessons With some of the other grades, we're working some things out to hopefully get into some of the culinary classes. In middle school, I'm also doing a few lessons, but it's slightly different, obviously, than the younger grades. There's a lot of building community with staff as well, working with like kitchen and nutrition staff. And then outside of the actual Monona Grove service, I'm also one of the regional managers for the local foods database that Farm to School works with. So my region is the East Central region. So like Fond du Lac, Winnebago County. So looking at that range of schools you're with and the range of different things you're doing, what's your day-to-day service look like when you're serving the kids in the Monona Grove School District? I was thinking about that and it's it comes up often. Like when I'd actually worked at one of our schools before doing the farm to school service and they're like, oh, what are you up to? And it's like each day is completely different than the last one. If I could just like pick out a day. Yesterday, for instance, I usually start most days with lots of scheduling. So we have seven schools, but the nutrition lesson specifically, I'm working at four of the schools. So it's a lot of coordinating and matching schedules, which is a lot between four schools and four or five grade levels. So a lot of that to start my days. But then I went to one of our elementary schools, which is a first and second grade school. And I did a couple nutrition lessons, which tend to be like 30 to 40 minute lessons. This week, we were doing some My Plate and Food Groups lessons with second graders, which is super fun. I really enjoy kindergarten through second. The energy is A lot of those like spaces between things and like moving into activities, the kids have lots of input and it ends up being super fun. So I I have liked working with that group. After some lessons, I met with a master gardener to start talking about school gardens at that school, which is kind of an odd thing, but that's kind of the nature of my service is that there's a little bit of different things each day. I also got to distribute some materials that I've worked on for school lunch lines, just getting kids excited about new items and specifically local items that we've been doing. Mixed in my day, there's some reporting. AmeriCorps members will know how that goes. So there's a little bit of reporting in there. And then some of my days I do spend time at the end of the day working on that local foods database that I mentioned, because that's something where we can just kind of like peck away at it as the year goes on and just get as many people involved as possible. So, So that's a day. I don't know if there's ever a typical day. But that's one one day. I think that's kind of universal when you're working with students and in classrooms and there that it's every day can be similar, but every day is different. Right. And I, I enjoy that part of it. It keeps it interesting for me. If it was 
the same thing every day. I don't know if it I would be able to, I don't know, share the excitement with kids as much as like I'm learning as much as they are and I'm doing different things and I want them to really be involved in thinking about different parts of yeah, nutrition and talking about foods and where foods come from. So it's, it served me pretty well. So looking at that nutrition part, what are some of the nutrition lessons you've done recently with the kids? Before going into these nutrition lessons, we do surveys. So there are surveys that happen at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year and between so I think I have like 22 classes that I'm working with. Since it's still kind of early into my service year, we just completed our last set of surveys between the schools. So a lot of that was kind of gauging what lessons I wanted to do with the kids when, when I'm in the classroom. Even between two classes that are adjacent to each other, one of the classes like really interested in, we want to help in the school gardens. The other class, we want to know what fruits and vegetables help you run faster. That's kind of guiding what I want to do with each class. But Typically, so far, we've done a lot with food groups and groups of foods as far as like nutritional value and some things about Wisconsin specific foods. And then with one of our middle school classes, it's a project based school and they're doing a class specifically about food preservation and fermentation, which is something that like personally, I know a lot about. I've done a couple odd lessons relating back to nutrition, but with that specific lens of preservation which isn't something that I think I would jump into with the kindergartners is like, we're going to learn how to do pickles today or something yeah. like maybe something more simple with activities for them. But there are some like through lines with very like adjustments for, for other grades so far. You mentioned that you were doing with the middle school students, some um, preservation items. What are some things you're doing with that? I'm jumping into this class at random points to do some of my nutrition parts of it. But this class is, it's learning a few different preservation methods. I wasn't there during drying, but they did some drying. I helped out with some lactic acid fermentation, which I actually taught a, a couple classes on there. So things like pickles and carrots and sauerkraut, which the kids actually got to do for their labs and recently got to taste some of the things that they had made. So this is something that's like near and dear to me because I've been doing that and I'm an, an expert in that as far as, as the kids are concerned. Some students actually starting a sourdough starter and I'm like an avid baker and sourdough baker. So I was happy to part with some of my starter and have them start their own. And we did some taste tests in that class too, using things like we had a local cabbage and then a local sauerkraut and a local kimchi. So making those connections too of like, so yeah, there are local foods, but there's a lot of different versions of local foods. Yes, there's the fresh things, but it's important to know there's other food products that are made locally. So that one's been interesting. And like I said, not necessarily something that's going to apply to all of my classes, but I was able to just jump in there and do some supplemental lessons or helping out a little bit. That's really cool. And do you know, are there any other preservation things we're going to do with them later this year? They would possibly be doing tapache, which is a fermented pineapple drink that they can make. We did cover a lot of the different styles of fermentation, but this might be just like, since it's a project-based school, the way their year is laid out is a little bit different. So they might be jumping into something else. What were some of the local Wisconsin foods that they've learned about so far? One of the things that I've been trying to do is we have a harvest of the month. There's a lot of resources out there. I think UW Extension has a lot of the resources that we use. So when we're talking about the local foods, I've been trying to attach it to our harvest of the month, which are also items that are appearing on lunch menus. So 
we can go over little things, but for instance, we had apples in October and that was attached to the apple crunch as well, which we can talk about if you'd like at some point. This month we were doing winter squash, which is one of my favorites and it's a pretty prominent food in our region. And then next month we're doing cranberries. So I'm trying to get them to think about it in different contexts where like they're seeing it on lunch menus on Thursdays typically is when we've been having local things. So we can make that connection. We can talk about as I go into classrooms, they're like, oh, we did the apple crunch and we were so excited about that. And they saw a video that I made so we can make those connections. And then we do a food groups lesson and we talk about fruit and it's like, oh, we got to eat apples and we got apples from this orchard in Stoughton and it's making those connections with the Wisconsin foods to get them thinking about what local actually means and how it applies to them and not just to some concept that they don't interact with, if that makes sense. This month in November, they're doing the winter squash. So is that things that are just going to be used and incorporated into those menu items every Thursday? Are you doing any other taste tests with those? So this month, I don't know if we have taste tests scheduled with that. Next month, I I have an activity that I'm working on now with cranberries since like a lot of the kids are used to having the dried craisins or dried cranberries. But I don't know if a lot of the kids have had like actually eaten a raw cranberry and how different those two things are. So there's some activities associated with that, but we have been making a big push between myself and the school nutrition director to make it a regular thing where they're getting these local items every Thursday so we can count on it. Our students can plan on hot lunch. Like yesterday we did delicata squash. We did butternut squash the first month. And then I think we might be doing butternut again next week with like a quinoa and pear salad. So there's some other things with that, but trying to make it a regular thing where they can count on it and then making connections between that. That's wonderful. And then you mentioned a little bit ago that apples were the featured item in October in that great apple crunch. So tell us a little bit about what the great apple crunch is and then what the school did and what you did for that. The Great Apple Crunch is this event that happens in a lot of states. So this one was the Great Lakes Great Apple Crunch that we took part in. Um, I think it was the the second Thursday of the month. And basically, it's an event that encourages schools to find apples locally that they can get into the schools and then make it an event that's fun for the kids to all crunch. I mean, every school is a little bit different how, how they go about it. But basically, the kids get the opportunity to all crunch into an apple together, kind of, yeah, make an event around getting those local apples and then enjoying them together, starting a conversation about what it means to be a local fruit or vegetable that we want to do with with our kids. So in our district, what we ended up doing is on that day, between all of the schools, our seven schools, I think we have around 1,500 kids that take school lunch. We had like the apple as our fruit component for lunch that day, a whole apple, which I think they're used to getting sliced apples that they can get in bags and stuff. So while it might seem like you eat a whole apple when you want to eat an apple as an adult, like the kids aren't always getting that experience. And it does make it kind of a fun thing. And they get to get their pictures taken as they're all crunching in apples together, getting videos of them with a countdown of one of the cafeteria staff or a volunteer comes in and does a big countdown. They all crunch in apples together and they ended up loving it. And they thought it was a super fun way to start thinking about that. And like I'd mentioned before, I made a video that was sent out to all the classrooms where I visited the farmer that we got our apples from. So there's actual footage of me showing the trees that their apples came off of and the crates of the actual apples that they were eating so they could start to make that connection. Like I mentioned, it's not an abstract idea. It's an actual thing you can see. You get the apple and then 
you're experiencing it with your friends. That's really cool to have that part of it where it's not just this apple is from something local. Here's a video of us. Here's the farmer that grew it. Here is the trees it came off of. And then that process straight into it doing it. Right. And even I think it ended up being kind of silly because it looked really dramatic, but I was able to incorporate in the video. This is on Google Maps where the farm is. And then this is how far it's gone to get to the school. Because when you tell a kid that this apple is from eight miles away, it's like, okay, they they may or may not know how far a mile is. But if you can show it on a map, it's making it easy for them to conceptualize what local means. And like, this didn't have to travel that far. You're getting a super fresh product. And the apples are amazing. We got them from yeah, a farm in, in Stoughton. And the kids are still talking about it. So I think we we did good there. And it was it was worth all of the coordinating and planning for that one minute countdown for them to crunch into it. But it ends up spreading out with the conversation. That's awesome. Looking at that connections with local farmers, are there other things you've been doing to make some connections with either bringing farmers in or bringing that local food in or bringing the kids out to the farms? Yeah, so that's definitely in the planning stages. There are some farmers that are interested in either doing presentations or being involved in some of the like the videos that I'd like to make. I would really like to get kids out to some of the farms, but while doing that, I think these videos that can be shared with the entire district is also important. It's it's good to have that in-person, very personal connection to it. But when I'm working with seven schools, I want to make sure that everybody's getting a little bit of it and trying to balance between getting as many experiences out there, but also doing those deep things. I'd like to have some farmers come in just to talk to students about the process of um, if it's something that we're featuring one month that, you know, this is where a squash, a winter squash starts, we harvest them, you know, being able to see that process all the way through. So those are all things that are in the works. And especially during winter months when farmers have already done the harvest and they have a little bit of that downtime, that's seems like a better time. Folks working at orchards weren't as receptive to coming in during harvest season, as you can imagine. That makes sense. I think that's really great to have those videos because like you said, every kid in every classroom could watch those as part of something. And it wouldn't just be experience that a couple of them got to experience, but it's something that they would all have the ability to make that connection and see through the video. Right. And that's even just a, a resource for our teachers, which are very into this program and want to be able to make those connections with kids where they show the video and then I've given them some prompts to like, these are questions you can bring up with your class after you watch the video, find out what they already do know about local foods, like why that's important to them. If their family goes to farmer's markets, it's just giving teachers also the tools to have those conversations and take on some of that as well, which people have been pretty receptive to. That's great. And you can always use it to even branch out into connections to the other things you're studying and use it just as a bridge for those connection pieces. Exactly. And then Wes, you mentioned that connection with the farmers on that local level you have with the students you're serving, but you also talked about that you're helping out with the local foods database that helps people throughout the state. So you tell us a little bit about that database and what your role has been. I'll start with my role is that I'm one of the regional managers. So the state is broken into a bunch of different regions that make up a number of counties. I think there, I have eight counties in my region, which is the East Central region. So basically, the managers are in charge of outreach to both food service directors at schools and farmers that are in that region. And the local food database is providing a resource for both the farmers and the schools to connect with each other. There are forms that they can fill out to get added to a database. 
So for instance, a food service director who wants to incorporate some local foods onto lunch menus, which a lot of the times can just be something that they are just switching like carrots on the menu to something that's local. They will have their information on this database so farmers can reach out to them if they're looking to sell local produce. And the farmers can put their information so schools will know maybe a farm that's in their region that is harvesting carrots. So it's it's giving each of them an opportunity to find out if they can purchase or if they can sell to schools. And it's been really interesting because I don't know that's something that is on a lot of farmers' radar that there are schools that would be looking to buy them direct as opposed to the farmer selling it to a larger company and then it being distributed. Just making that connection easier for both parties. When I'm working with the database, I'm reaching out to schools to see if they have the interest in starting to get some local items or if they they want the resource to be able to seek them out. And then reaching out to farmers to see if they are interested in selling the schools and if they would want to get a general product list out there for schools to be able to, to find if they're looking for something. And like like I'd mentioned, I'm doing the East Central region. Uh, we do have a lot of members around Madison, so that was already spoken for, and I wanted to help with it. And that region is actually where I grew up and where I went to elementary school, high school, and college. So I have some slight connections, and my niece and nephew are part of that area. So maybe like in a slight way, I can also have that personal connection to it where maybe local foods would be popping up in their schools because I was able to offer those resources. So I kind of jumped on that one as soon as I saw it. That's really cool to be able to help with that region you have the personal connection to. Yeah. I really think it's a huge thing because it really helps connect the farmers and those food directors. And it cuts down the time on trying to help chase down those resources and try to figure out what's available. And also when things in supply chains break down as a local way to source things that sometimes you're not able to get nationally when things break down. Exactly. And it's honestly in my position too, where I'm helping out my food service director at my district, I've been able to use the resource that we're maintaining to be like, oh, we need squash for this day specifically. I can look right on this list and here are the contacts. So I can even cut out a little bit more of that time and like give those resources. And hopefully that's something that once more schools and farmers are exposed to it, they'll see that how easy it makes things. And when it sometimes feels like switching to local or switching an entire food system at a school or in selling at a farm is like a big task, it doesn't have to be. And it's just cutting down a little bit of that and making it doable. And then a little bit ago, you mentioned when you're talking about doing the surveys that some of the kids wanted more on the healthy living and the nutrition part, and some wanted more on the garden activities. So are there different school gardens that you're helping the students maintain? Yeah. So since we have the seven schools, we kind of have the entire range of progress with school gardens or the lack of school gardens for some of them. So I know one of our schools, they've had their PTO maintaining and working with the garden for a long time. And it's beautiful. And they had a harvest week this year where things were getting ready to harvest. And I was able to be a resource for classes to go out and identify plants and pick ones that they could eat. I'm kind of working with that group to see how they've managed to maintain that garden and get parent involvement, get school involvement to then take it elsewhere. Like I mentioned before, I I walked through one of our school areas with a master gardener just yesterday because they have one raised bed for a significant amount of land that they have and a lot of students. So it's something that they're interested in, but they just haven't had the resources or the time to expand it. So we ended up walking around and I think we have a pretty good plan of 
how we can make it happen to get at least four or five more raised beds and make it something that's more accessible to students and start to grow a program there and build community around that garden since it has worked out at some of our other schools. But since there are seven schools, that's just one. So I'll start there and then hopefully in the spring we can expand some gardens and some other ones that maybe have lacked some maintenance that just need to get overhauled a little bit. The students are really excited about it. The idea that they could be at school and maintain a garden and actually get to eat and harvest the things that they started, whether it be getting plants in and putting them in the garden or early in the year, starting them in cartons in the classroom and then bringing them out to the garden. So there's a lot of different activities that could be associated with that and teaching them about what produce we can grow in Wisconsin and making that connection as well. No, I think it can be huge watching a kid just pick the thing right there and they can eat it straight from like knowing that they helped grow it and they can just grab it right off and eat it, that personal connection. Totally. And then Wes, a little bit earlier this year, I actually got to meet you for a 9-11 day project at Madison School Forest. You can tell us a little about the project that we were working on. Yeah, so it was a project to remove some invasive species from the school forest there with other AmeriCorps members. It was really great to meet and see the type of people that AmeriCorps is made out of. And it, it seemed to me it's my kind of people where we have a project, we have to get it done. We can do it pretty casually, but just get a lot of things done and like talk about what we're doing with our service and also get to see this amazing school forest that the kids get to explore in and that gets a lot of gears going in my head if we could start to do that with our district. But yeah, it was just a really cool experience. I'm always learning as I'm serving in this role. So it's nice to be able to learn things like identifying the invasive species that we were that day so then I can pass that information on. It was a good break in the typical service things to be like working on a task and learning at the same time, which is what we want to instill in the kids that we're working with. Yeah, so it was great. And it was nice to meet everybody. I really enjoyed the fact we got to meet you and other folks from Farm to School. We got to meet some folks from a couple of the other AmeriCorps programs that are in Dane County. And then we got to rip out a bunch of, was it buckthorn and wild honeysuckle? Yep, yep. I think, like I said, it's the type of people that I like to surround myself with, but everybody's like very curious. And like, while we're doing that, we're finding like little mushrooms and different plants. And we have some experts that can help identify things. And we got to go walk around and check out those sinkholes. So I feel like a lot of the AmeriCorps people are as curious as the students or the kids that they're working with. So it's, yeah, it's a good group of people to surround yourself with. Thinking about that, why did you decide to serve as an AmeriCorps member this year with Farm to School? It kind of happened by accident, I guess. I was working at one of our, the schools that I'm currently at, the elementary school, I was doing ed assisting and special ed assisting. And I saw an internal job posting that they were looking for an AmeriCorps member of Farm to School. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I've never heard of anything like this. And I read a little bit more about it. I'm like, oh, this is like totally up my alley. And while I would have been sad to leave where I was at school to go do something else, it was like, oh, this is a, a great opportunity and I still get to work with the kids that I've developed relationships with and serving our students was very important to me. But to be able to do it in a broader way and get to go to some of our other schools and talk about food, which I love to do anyways, and to learn and professional development that's associated with our roles as AmeriCorps members. It seemed perfect. So I, I followed through with it and I was very excited to to be in this role and be serving now. And the kids still get to see Mr. West around at school. So yeah, it's been great. That's wonderful. That's such a great deal to stay within the same school community, but find a different way of making a difference for kids. Right. Yep. And then looking back at the first couple of months of your service so far, what have been some favorite memories or some stories from your service you could share with us? Anytime when I'm in classrooms 
with students and I kind of open up the floor to like, what are you interested in learning about? What do you know about this already? A lot of our students are extremely knowledgeable about food and nutrition, or they have very strong preferences, whether that's in good ways or, or not. Like my favorite food is candy. It's like, okay, I don't know if I'd consider that food. And that's fine if you want that. But let's talk about some other things that maybe you like or other students. I, I had one student tell me she's like, I'd like to eat fruit, but my mom only lets me eat fruit on these couple days. Because if I got to eat them whenever I want, that's all I would eat. It's like, okay, so we have like this full spectrum of preferences with kids. And everybody always says they say the darndest things really. Yeah. So any, any interactions with kids is always the best. And then have you noticed any of the kids with anything they've tried so far where it's been, I don't really like this. I don't really like this. And they actually have tried it and like, oh, wait a second. I do like this. Yeah. And that's been one of the challenges that we have had actually implementing new menu items and local items is especially with the little ones when they see something that they haven't tried before, they will just kind of stay away from it. But if you can make it fun and have them try it. Some of them will be like, okay, well, I'll try a little bit. And then they do They're like, oh, that's not as bad as I thought. You'll still have the ones who try it. And they're like, yep, nope, that's not not what I like. But it's like those exposures that are going to be beneficial, even if it is another moment where they're like, yep, no, cabbage isn't for me. It's like, oh, well, we got one of those exposures out of the way. So maybe at some point, it's just becoming familiar with foods. And part of what I'd like to do is to continue making it exciting for kids to at least try it. That's great. And then speaking about the things you'd like to do, what are some things you're looking forward to doing over the rest of your service this year? More of the same, but expanding out into some of the schools and things that I've worked at maybe one of the schools with maybe starting like some of the new gardens to have that framework in place where I know exactly what I have to do to either expand a garden or to start at some of our schools that don't have anything. I love the taste tests with kids and introducing them to new foods. So if we can continue to do that, that would be great. And to just continue having those new menu items. Our goal was to have a few items throughout the year, and we've been doing it every Thursday so far. So we're on track to really make it part of the culture at school is that there's new items, there's local items every week. So that's one of my main goals is to really continue doing that and to make it feel like the the entire district is involved and not just certain schools, like moving things to each school as they work. And then looking forward to after your AmeriCorps term would end next summer, do you have any plans for what you hope to do after your service? I have been thinking about this. I guess I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I've I'm using this year to really figure out which parts of my service are like really satisfying to me and the ways that I feel like I can serve our students the best. So whatever the next role is where I can kind of find, I guess, what I'm best at and what I'm best at getting out to the kids, whether that is continuing to work in the schools with like the nutrition education part of it or working with the nutrition program or expanding out to something maybe that I've just dipped my toes into so far. I'm pretty present with the current service. So as it goes on, maybe I'll be able to reflect back and see which parts of it are really calling to me. I definitely will be working with students in in some capacity because that definitely fills my cup. That's awesome. I am excited to find out, since we do have a lot of Farm to School members in the state, what else other AmeriCorps members have been doing in the state and that it's easy to get caught, especially working with seven schools. Like, I have so many things going on and so many projects at once, but that's just, just a small subset of what Farm to School is doing, what AmeriCorps is doing. So hopefully throughout the year, like making connections with other members to see the good things that they're doing. I see little bits of it in meetings and things like that, but I think it's just really important 
service and I'm glad there's a lot of good people doing it. Yeah, and the great thing is, as that year goes on, you can find, well, what are resources that I might be able to bring to here? What are things I can share that might be that idea that helps them help with their students? Exactly. And Wes, just thank you so much for talking with us today and sharing all about your Farm to School AmeriCorps service experience with Monona Grove School District. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about it and I'm excited to see what we can get into the rest of this year and keep serving our students. Thanks so much for serving and good luck with the rest of your service here. Thanks so much. And then thank you again to Wes for sharing about his AmeriCorps service with Farm to School and giving us another story we can file under service. Thank you for tuning in to the S-Files podcast, produced by Serve Wisconsin. I'm your host, Kyle Clower. Your producer is Serve Wisconsin intern, Anna Daniker. And as always, a big thank you to everyone that serves here in Wisconsin. Remember, the S and S-File stands for service, and you are the reason we have so many great stories to highlight. Tune in next time for another page pulled from the S-Files.